0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge List and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming, with your host, Shannon Holiday and me, Letitia Thomas.
1: All right, and welcome back to another episode of Binge Lists and Box Office Hits. I'm your host, Shannon Holiday, and I'm joined once again by Letitia Thomas.
0: Oh, okay. This is my intro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Usually that's you your- say a bit more, you go, How have you been this week? Uh, I or will you get say to something that, yeah. and then you just look the I was waiting for a high.
1: big old entrance from you. Where do- <laughs> yeah.
0: You never get one.
1: No, I know. No. How are you this uh, today, Tish?
0: I'm pretty good. You're
1: pretty good? I'm pretty good. Yeah. We've had our coffees this morning. We're ready to go. Rearing into it. Straight into it, I think.
0: Yeah. All right, cool. So we're gonna talk all about it's really bad this morning. We're gonna talk <laughs> about Guillermo Del Toro a bit later. Yeah. Um, but what have you been watching that hasn't been Del Toro stuff?
1: Yeah, I will I will start off with saying that I watched quite a few films of his this week. Yeah, me too. I watched about six of his films, which we'll talk about in the main topic, so I won't go into those right now. But what I've been watching besides that is I watched the second episode of the new season of Futurama. So I'm still enjoying the Futurama bandwagon. It was wasn't the strong strongest episode. It was the first one was better. This one was more of a callback from one of the original episodes from like the basically the 1999 to 2003 era so they had something happen in one of those episodes back then And then they drew upon that storyline for this episode it was mainly one of the like the real b characters storylines so like frying that weren't really involved too heavily it was okay they were trying to definitely rely on um what they did in a couple of the other episodes in the originals where it's like one of those really heartfelt endings
0: yeah
1: it didn't land as well as what some of the ones did in the um in the original show because there was like it was like one or two hand like hand picked episodes where they made this storyline and the beats worked to a place where it was just so heartfelt that then you were like, Oh, this is amazingly written for it for an animation show like that's equivalent to The Simpsons that and it just didn't land. They were definitely trying that again, but it just didn't work. But it was still it had funny moments and I'm still enjoying watching it. But yeah, I'll see how it goes. But this one was
0: it was okay. No, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um I didn't watch too much. That wasn't, you know, Del Toro's stuff. But I did last night start watching How to Become a Cult Leader, <laughs> uh, which is a docu series on Netflix, which I'm assuming all like, all the girls are watching because
1: because it's
0: that's what we're into apparently. Yeah. um, no, True I crime. sort of I like it, but not not as much. I'm not like obsessed. I find it more fascinating rather than like serial yeah. killers are hot kind of When way. I've
1: ever watched serial killer documentaries, which is not actually that many, I, I find it, it it's it, it's more fascinating than anything else. Yeah. Just like to see Like, they try to explain, like, their mind, where they're at. And that's what I love. Yeah, just to see it from, like, a completely different perspective and just, like, why would you do something like that?
0: So, this one's a little less serial killer, more cult leader, although murder's always a common thread. Um, So, the first episode, they sort of – I think they're doing it bit by bit and they're talking about different – sort of strategy and ways in which cult leaders sort of come to power and then how they hold it and that kind of thing. But they seem to be focusing on a particular cult leader mm-hmm. per episode. There's about six and I watched two, so I'm not truly sure where it's going to go. Yep. But the first one had a lot to do with um, Manson.
1: Yeah, Um, figured they'd start which off strong. I found, yeah.
0: I found interesting, not in like, you know, the general stuff, because I knew quite a bit about him. Didn't know as much about his childhood, so they go into a little bit about that, which kind of makes sense. He started doing the sort of manipulation stuff, like, as a little kid. So, like, that was interesting. But then, like, they mentioned how young Sharon Tate was when she got killed. And yeah. I, I knew she was young, but I just thought maybe she's a bit older. I kind of forgot. Did but it's like, oh, it, yeah. she's 26. And I'm like, oh. I'm nearly 26.
1: And that was, yeah, that's and the I was age. like, Oh,
0: God, like, she was super young. Um, yeah. So that was, like, the first ep. And then the second episode I watched a bit um, – well, I watched it, but I found it interesting. It was a lot of Jim Jones yeah. who – the guy with the Kool-Aid, which Shannon doesn't I don't know, know about. So I'm going to you tell you a little about bit about Jonestown.
1: Beforehand, I was like, I don't know this one. Tell me yeah,
0: more. Yeah, so basically this guy, Jim Jones, started churches and stuff down in the south. So he would tailor his, you know, sermons or whatever to, like, that demographic. And then he started getting, like, white uni college students come in. So he would start then including stuff about, like, Nietzsche and all that. So he would pick mm. and choose. And then he slowly grew a big following And um, what I found super interesting was one of his um, like idols growing up was Hitler, which then makes sense later with the Kool-Aid. So what had happened is he then grew following all over America and then took his group of followers to, I can't remember exactly where it is, but it was somewhere either Central or South America. And they cleared a bunch of land and they started basically a commune, but he got the people to fund it and build it because that's the typical cult leader thing. And then a reporter, and I'm just sort of – Spitballing, so I, I may miss exact points. So no one come after me. But basically, like, a reporter was tipped off. They started sending people in because they'd heard about this big thing going on. And because he'd followed Hitler and Hitler killed himself instead of avoiding it, they had the Jonestown murders where they all drank the Kool-Aid. 900 people were killed. Oh, my God. Um, Although not all of them, like, drank the Kool-Aid. Some of them were injected with it. You know, the ones yeah. that were a little less, mm-hmm. like, for it. But, like, women, babies, children, men, the whole thing. Kind of interesting with that.
1: Yeah. Where did you watch this? It's on Netflix. Okay.
0: Um, but also it wasn't Kool-Aid because he was cheap. So it was like whatever the cheap version of Kool-Aid was. Oh, wow. it couldn't pay for the real stuff. I couldn't pay for the real stuff. Nah, the real
1: stuff. <laughs> but it got the brand awareness of Kool-Aid yeah. anyway.
0: So, yeah, I've watched the first two. I'm okay. keen to keep going, but it's probably one that I'll just watch like one or two a night.
1: Yeah. it was just like sporadically. It's not something that you need to kind of keep a chain of. No. Yeah.
0: But yeah, cult leaders. Okay. Maybe I'll start one Monday. We'll probably not.
1: This could be our new cult, the binge list cult. The binge list cult. <laughs> Please follow us. Please follow us. Uh, the next thing I've been watching, and this is what I've been kind of like watching here and there in between other things, or like when I'm cooking and that, is um, it's Arrested Development, and I've been talking to you about it throughout the week. Tish, I've been trying to get you to watch this.
0: You've been trying to bully me into it
1: for a long time. This is a show that ran originally from two thousand three to two thousand six, the first three seasons. Then it got picked up again by Netflix from twenty thirteen to twenty nineteen. So they did two more seasons in that time frame. So I've watched basically the first four seasons a while ago. Remembered how much I loved it. I've been putting the first season on again this week and oh, just having such a ball with it. It's so good. It's it's in the same vein of like, you know, your office, your parks and rec. It's it's situational comedy, but not like that setup stuff with like punchlines, like Big Bang Theory. Yeah. It plays on the fact that it's really smart humor. It's probably some of the smartest comedy i've ever seen in a tv show ever um the cast is perfectly casted um it's got a very young michael Sarah in it if you're not sure who he is you've definitely seen him in some of his films little Little yellow shorts yeah yeah juno juno um plenty of other things it's just it's so well written uh it's narrated by ron howard so he does like the voiceovers with like the, ca- when the characters are doing something and if it's not like accurate, it's like, that was not it <laughs> and stuff like that. The character of the mother is also the mother character in Archer. So if you like Archer, same character there. Uh, it's also been directed by a lot of, like a lot of the episodes are directed by the Russo brothers. So if you're aware of them, they did the Avengers movies recently. So they're, big in Hollywood at the moment and they directed that. That's where they kind of started out. It's just really funny and it's like easy watch, easy fun watch and I'm just going to I'm gonna keep watching I it. I
0: promise I will get to it um, yeah. relatively soon.
1: There's a lot of like – there's a lot of memes that have come out of yeah. this show. Yeah, I
0: think I've probably seen a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's what I've been kind of binging. I've been well I watched the first 10 episodes already. That's pretty good. Yeah, and it's only half watching.
0: What else did you watch? Because I haven't watched anything else apart from Del Toro stuff this week.
1: Only other movie I watched that wasn't a del Toro was, it was the uh, new Gran Turismo movie. It uh, I managed to get a early advance screening ticket on Friday. So this movie doesn't come out in America. It got delayed because of the strikes and stuff. So it has got delayed to August
0: 25th. Oh, wow. You did see it quite early.
1: it uh, quite early. It was supposed to be 11th. So it was only especially a week earlier, but then it got pushed back again. So, yeah, it's got pushed back to the 25th. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a review embargo still on for this movie. So I was happy I managed to get a secure uh, early ticket. It is. Uh, it's about the a teenager who was playing Gran Turismo in his bedroom as a sim racer, like playing that. He got quite good at it. And then he won a competition put on by Nissan to enter into the what's called a GT Academy. So it's where they were trying to get sim races, like the best of the best, to get trained up in this GT Academy and then become a real professional race car driver. So it's basically about his journey from him in his bedroom, playing the game, winning the competition, getting trained up and then being a professional driver. And he eventually gets to drive in Le Mans 24 hour race, which is pretty much considered the most prestige race in professional racing. And it was great. It was really well crafted in terms of like, you know, getting the sense of speed, the thrill of like motor racing. Um, it's got Orlando Bloom in it, David Harbour, So it's got some pretty big names in there as well. And it was just enjoyable. Like it, it didn't try and make this thing where it's like a, a video game movie where it's like, the game doesn't exist and this is Gran Turismo. It was like, even from the get-go, it kind of explains what Gran Turismo is, how the creator wanted to create like an actual sim racer rather than a game and how it was like implemented throughout the years and then it kind of cuts to his storyline and like how much he loves it, how much he loves cars and that was always going to be his dream was somehow in cars because it has his like family dynamic as well and it's like you need to have a real dream basically from his dad. Yeah, of course. And he's like, no, I'm following this, I'm following this. And obviously he's ex- successful in that. And yeah, it's just a really good movie. I would definitely recommend it when it does come out on the 25th.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I probably won't catch it. But if anyone's into it, definitely yeah. catch it. If
1: you're into cars and stuff a lot more, you'll definitely want to want to catch this one.
0: So that's basically it. We're going to do trivia this week. Um, we were picking out of like a bunch of cards, but we've kind of gone through that. So we've picked some for each other. Hopefully neither of us were too mean, but we'll find out. Do you want um, me
1: to go first for you?
0: I can if you want.
1: In the film "Who Framed Roger Rabbit," what was the first name of Roger's wife?
0: I didn't even know that he had a wife. It's not Jessica Rabbit. Is it, it is. yes. I was like, I don't
1: know. <laughs> I was is like, it? think about that for a little <laughs> like, bit longer. He,
0: I forgot that he. <laughs> wait, is he? Is it his ex now?
1: I assume so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember watching this quite young. I was a kid, mm. and I know I a, can't
1: remember. Any part about it?
0: I remember being confused, and some bits felt like I shouldn't be watching. I think
1: it's it's very adult. Yeah, yeah, it's an it's an adult. It's a movie. bizarre film. I
0: love. Yeah. I kind of want to watch it again. I I, gonna I'm going to watch it again
1: soon, but I don't you know, know if can't I can't remember, remember do. it. Anyway, I want to watch it again because I think I was very young when I saw it. I can't remember a thing about it.
0: No, like I I remember stills from it and like part of the plot, but I don't know if that's just because I've read up on it since. Mm. Um. Okay. So my first one for you is: What are the five student stereotypes in the Breakfast Club?
1: Uh, So it's like, you know, when they write the letter, it's what are they? There's like a, like...
0: I'll give it to you if you can remember some of them.
1: No, I know who they are. I've seen it a bunch of times. It's like, no, I can't. I can't remember the specific names of them. I know who they are. Yeah,
0: yeah. You was just Guess or something, just in case.
1: It's like there's a Jock character, but I don't know if that's what... Yeah, there's Jock. Is there a burnout character?
0: Uh, Yes, but they call him a rebel. So you got that one. the rebel. Yeah.
1: There's the nerd, the geek. Brain. The brain there's the space cadet, and then there's the princess.
0: Pretty close. Yeah. So the verbatim from the film, yeah. and I didn't know if you'd get this one, but I thought we'll just put it in there anyway. Mm. Um, it's a brain, a beauty, a jock, a rebel, and a recluse.
1: That's, yeah. I just didn't have the name. So no. I know exactly that. Yeah. I, yeah. I wish I got that one because I really like that film. I know. I it like makes like, you God, go, oh, I need to really
0: pay attention to it. Next yeah. Time. yeah. The,
1: okay. Your next one. Mm-hmm. What kind of animal is the con artist in Zootropolis?
0: Oh, which, uh the con artist, what animal is it? Um Is it the little tiny one or is it the fact that there's like a fox who You got it. Okay. <laughs> it's the fox. <laughs> I'm like there's a fox, but then he has little friend. Yeah, it's the rabbit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the rabbit's the the police car. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Um but then there's the fox, but then he has that little friend.
1: Oh yeah, no. And no. I wasn't sure
0: if it was a little friend or if you meant the fox.
1: No, nah, the fox the fox character, the main It's a
0: fantastic film.
1: It's so good. I loved it.
0: I only um, saw that like
1: about a year yeah, ago. Yeah, it's so good. It's very good.
0: Um, my second one for you, and this is like it's a bit hard, so I don't know if you'll get it,
1: but I got the first one. I thought the first one was hard.
0: Um what was the first feature film to include a toilet flushing?
1: This one is going to be train stopping. It was psycho. Close.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. I knew you'd watched it recently, really? so I thought I'd put it in there just I'm trying to
1: remember. I did. I watched it last yeah. week. What
0: part did I don't they flush know. a toilet I in? haven't seen it in a really long time. I know that it is and I kind of remember the shot. Oh, but.
1: I know the part. She rips up the note yeah. where it says like the amount she's taken out of the money and she tries to flush the note and then after the, she gets killed and they come and find the room, there's a bit left in it where she realizes that she was in that room. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. So there is a flushing toilet in that scene. Is I
0: that- wasn't sure if you know the answer, but I just wanted you to know the facts really. Well,
1: I know the f- Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the fact.
0: It's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, your last one. Who starred in the film Forrest Gump as Jenny?
0: Oh, I couldn't tell you who's, who plays Jenny. Oh, really? I remember she made me cry a ton mm. and I haven't seen it since. But no, I don't know who the it's
1: actress is. Robin Wright.
0: Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't have told you that the answer.
1: girl from Princess Bride and she's in House of Cards. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. A bunch of other stuff. Couldn't have
0: told you that. Really? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I just watched it. She just was Jenny. She just
1: is Jenny. And
0: I've, I've, I watched that film as a teenager and I cried it's so it's phenomenal so much that I almost just, I like I've refused to watch it since.
1: Have you only seen it once? Yeah,
0: because it destroyed me. Ooh, you yeah. need to watch it again. I know it I is need to.
1: So good. I've seen it probably but about five or six I, times in course so of my course my life. It is it's so brutal but like so touching at the time.
0: Which is that's why it's taking me so long to not well, see d- it again
1: Dan, d- d- you've got magic legs.
0: I know, I, I can't. It's, it's it just so good. It, it, it like, yeah, it, it killed me. <laughs> Um, the character Ellen Ripley is from which film or T V series? Say it again, sorry. The character Ellen Ripley is from which film or TV series? It's
1: alien. Yeah. Yeah, alien. Yeah. yeah. I was actually gonna put an alien question in for you. I was like, no, 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 you'll get this straight away. Yeah, well, that's why I gave you a new <laughs> yeah. one. Thank you. I got one. That's
0: okay. Yes.
1: Excellent. Now it's time to move on to the news.
0: Yes, pre-empting yes, preempting it, it there. So while on Kevin Hart's podcast, Dwayne Johnson talks about the failed Black Adam sequel. Um, Black Adam was released in 2022 but due to an overhaul at Warner's the project sequel got shelved Um, and Johnson went on to say and emphasize the point that the Black Adam sequel got caught in the web of new leadership and that the project being dropped will always be one of the biggest mysteries you have an opening of your career which he did it was the biggest opening of his career Um, Shaw no China blah 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 could have made more money he said you're establishing a new superhero you want to grow out the franchise you bring back Superman and Henry Cavill the world went crazy we created a diverse superhero portfolio where we have just men and women of color, Black Adam, too, as well.
1: I have a lot to say about that, to Me unpack too. on that, because I don't think that's the take on Black Adam at all.
0: No. At um, all. I don't think so at all. And I think also he's not the first person to try and get a project made and then have studios yeah. change hands. Like I was watching a thing earlier this week, which I actually didn't put in here because it wasn't really like a film, but I was watching a Hollywood roundtable. With a bunch of people. Yeah. They had, like, Greta Gerwig, Noah Bambok um, Martin Scorsese, and, like, a bunch of others. And, like, Martin was saying that, like, he'd had that happen with a lot of his films, yeah. like, The King of Comedy and stuff, where you, you have this thing, everyone's, like, yes, on am bored, and then... It changes hands and mm-hmm. then suddenly they're like, no, we don't believe in this.
1: But I don't know you if it's the even only true. I, I, When Black Adam came out, it wasn't really going through that reshuffle with the James Gunn taking over the DCEU. No. I don't think it was it. I think he's reacting because that's what's in the limelight right now as, as the change with the DCEU. And obviously it did get shelved because it didn't do well at all. It lost no. a lot of money it was not received well at all. So I think he's just reacting in a way where he can still make it sound like he made a great movie. It's a movie based on a minority and he can utilize that for his argument. I just don't think that's the case no. for this film. It just didn't do well because in my – I have have seen it and in my opinion, I've you know, seen millions of superhero movies in my time. It wasn't one of the better ones. It just wasn't that great. It just had nothing that was substantially no. outstanding – for itself, it it just wasn't that great, and so think, it so it didn't require a second film.
0: We've been talking about this a lot, where studios are making these massive, massive tent poles, and mm. they're not making the money that they need to make it back. Mm. And it it is kind of like, why are you spending so much mm. to make something so mediocre?
1: It's what well, I think they. And then they're like, oh no, they just thinking like the money. brand will sell itself. They don't care what they put out, and then now it's getting to the point where people are picking and choosing what particularly superheroes what they want to go see because the market's flooded with them and i think the audience is woken up to the fact that there have been some pretty average superhero movies so they're just making sure they're going to go see the ones that they deem worthy yeah. of their time and the students need to catch up i think they need to Take a break from pumping out what they think they'll make them the most amount of money and actually work on the craft a little bit Well, that's the
0: problem. A lot of the people now, I mean, it's always been a business. Mm, I know it is. But the people that are at the head of these studios now are not filmmakers. No. Which is evidently why we're in the position we're in. Yeah. No one getting paid.
1: It'll be interesting to see when James Gunn's DC universe starts up. Because I know he does – like, he, he cared about his Guardian series. He did that really well. Like, those three films are really distinct. They're really well-crafted. And there's love there. Like, there's a love yeah, of cinema involved with at least those three. Um, and he's obviously going to take that over to the DCU. But whether or not it's too little too late for at least that universe to take off – I'm hearing really good things about the – was it the Blue Beetle that's coming out really soon?
0: I think – yeah, it is coming that's out That's the soon. next
1: one. I think that's the start of his kind of like – I think that was made before he took over, but it's, it's going to be included in his universe. So I'm interested to see where that goes and where he kind of takes the new Superman route. But I think DCU, like the DC Universe, it's had too many goes at it. It's had too many throws at it. We've yep. had how many Supermans? How many Batmans? You've changed all these different characters, actors, timelines. You've dropped Zack Snyder's you know, universe. And all that. You're trying again. I think you just you the audience is not stupid. Stop no. treating them that way. You can't just keep throwing out stuff and hoping that it's gonna be like this billion dollar movie each time. Like I don't I don't think it's gonna happen, especially with what happened with the flash.
0: <laughs> yeah. There was
1: multitude of reasons why that didn't work, but I think the fact that they just put what was like three hundred million dollars in the budget for this. It's crazy. That would require it to make six hundred million just to be profitable because it's usually double the amount to make yep. money. That was no, it's never going to do that. No. So it's disappointing yeah. to see. And same with Black Adam. Like I know it come back to the original part of this story is Dwayne Johnson is trying to push an argument about something. He knows that wasn't the reason, but he's trying to save face basically is yep. what I'm reading into that.
0: Well, speaking of movies that did do well, um, Barbie is days away from hitting the $1 billion mark. Now I was looking at this as of the, the stats last Thursday, so it's a little late, but it had just crossed... 900 million um, and I've just looked it up today because I was looking at it last night and it's like Sunday for us recording this. It's now at 89 in the like top grossing movies of all time. That is it's wild. beaten Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It's beaten just now the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. It's on its way after um, Thor Ragnarok.
1: That's crazy because that was really well received. And that movie.
0: you know all of these ones that I've just mentioned are franchise. Yeah. This is just a film. This is a
1: standalone film that's probably not gonna get a sequel, which no. is what you'll talk about the time. I'm rest hoping. Of the
0: news. Yeah, yeah. So sort of off the amount of money that it's making, um, no one is signed on to do a sequel. Greta Gerwig, who directed, wrote and directed, she's not signed on. Mm. Um Margot Robbie not signed on.
1: I don't want it to have a sequel. And yeah,
0: Gosling not signed on. And it's um Margot Robbie produced it, so I'm hoping. Mm. I mean, she's a she's a filmmaker in that like she doesn't do it. For the, for money. the money, yeah. So, yeah, she did that with her lucky chat production. So, I'm hoping that they just leave it as is. I
1: think the smartest thing for Mattel to do is like what they, I think they've already green the magic
0: eight ball movie is
1: man- well, no, using you, using their other IP, yeah, is if they want to build a world
0: which won't do well, but well, good on them, Polly Pocket.
1: It. Here we go with Lily Collins,
0: yeah. Look, you'll see that.
1: I will see that. Um, okay, last bit of news. Uh, news has come out this week about the development of Scream 7. Uh, Christopher Landon is taking over the helm of directing the new installment from Radio Silence Productions. Landon is responsible for the Happy Death Day series and Freaky. At this point in time, there's no other news or development of cast, anything or release date. I'm excited. I love my Scream series. I
0: want to get in and binge them. Maybe I'll do that this Halloween. Because I have seen. we could
1: do a Scream episode a
0: lot of like horror film but i Mm. was kind of just picking like the first ofs just so that i got like a taste for a bunch of them yeah maybe last halloween or maybe it was the halloween before i did like a full month just horror
1: yeah we could do that i'm thinking we do that for this october yeah um i tried that uh i think a couple of years ago with like halloween like original halloween movies i try to watch a couple of those and I just fell off. Yeah. I watched a couple, but it was fine. I would like to make a commitment to it. A Scream series is great because it is it originally was satiring the slasher genre, but now it's kind of its own.
0: Did you know, fun fact, I was going to put it in the trivia, but Scream, the original title, was going to be Scary Movie. Scary
1: Movie, which then Scary Movie it is a parody scary movie, of yeah. Scream. It's just like a parody of a parody of a satire.
0: <laughs> fantastic. It's fantastic.
1: I Look, with Scream 7, Um, I think I was talking about you before we kind of started recording, is... Scream 6 was really good because it was really refreshing. It was a bit of a change to the normal kind of formula of the Scream series. It took place in New York City. The fake-out deaths of the start, the unusual open, cold opening was a different, differently done. Um, it was a good – it was just, well, a little bit more gory. Like, gory factor was turned up Ooh. just a slight amount okay. and it was – a good amount which uh, didn't become like you know you saw series but it was it was closer and so I'm interested to see where Christopher Landon takes this in this in the seventh one. Like uh Happy Death Day and Freaky, they're they're pretty pretty fun. They're yeah. fun horror films. I don't
0: think I've seen them. No? You should check them out at some point. I haven't seen Happy Death Day. I
1: have you seen Freaky? Don't know. Freaky is basically Freaky Friday but a horror.
0: No I haven't There's seen it a then. body swap yeah. movie. No I haven't yeah. seen it.
1: It's um yeah it's fun. It's got uh I can't remember her name. She was the daughter character in Quantum Mania.
0: Oh, um, it's just gone. It's gone too. It sounds yeah. like
1: K. Catherine.
0: Catherine, someone. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. she's
1: she's she's um she's the main actress in Freaky, so it's worth checking out. And she swaps bodies with Vince Vaughn. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, interesting to see where um that goes. But no new development on time. And it will probably be a while given the strikes and yeah. uh, no filming's happening at the moment or any of that.
0: Alrighty. So that's about it. Now we're going to get into a little bit of Guillermo del Toro. So I've looked up a little bit of his sort of bio just so that we can talk about some of the earlier films that we haven't seen. So basically, he grew up in Mexico. He was raised by his Catholic grandma. Um, and he sort of got into filmmaking in his early teens. He learned how to do special effects makeup. I think it looks like from the guy that did The Exorcist. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, and then at the age of 21, he produced his first feature, which I'm not even going to try and pronounce because it's in Spanish.
1: It's in Spanish. It's and not Kronos. It's no, something before that.
0: It was a short, I think. No, no. But I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to try it. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to butcher it. Um, and then he spent 10 years as a makeup supervisor, did his own company for that, um, and then produced like Mexican TV yeah. and... Yep. Um, Telenovelas, yeah, Telenovelas. I've watched a couple when I was learning Spanish. Very interesting. I got really into it, but you know. Um, and then he got his first big break with Kronos in 1992. My thing says 92, so we'll see. Um, and he won nine Ariel Awards, which are the Mexican equivalent of the Oscars. Um, and then it went to Cannes, and then because of that success, he made Mimic in '97 in Hollywood. Um and then he had some like unfortunate experiences in Hollywood because it's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um on mimic. So then he returned to Mexico. He formed his own production company, the Tequila Gang.
1: I love that. That's a great name. It's very <laughs> cool.
0: Um and then he did The Devil's Backbone in 2001, mm-hmm. which was a Spanish Civil War ghost story. And then he because it did well, he went and gave Hollywood another try. Yeah. So in 2002, he did Blade Two. Yes. Have you seen Blade Two?
1: I have seen Blade Two. All
0: right, we're going to start talking about the ones that we've seen then. Now yeah. that we've all caught up, so that's basically that's the where ones, he started. Yeah, that's
1: like kind of his train up until now. So actually, we'll talk about like his styles and stuff. I think before we get into mm-hmm. like movies. So he's really well known for his like creature features. Like he loves his um, he's basically he's having monsters. He he has a love of monsters. Yeah. Basically, these like has like an idea that they're like these really strong titan type. Characters that he can utilize in films like Mm. monsters.
0: What I love with his stuff is instead of going full gory, creepy, Mm. these guys are like crawling out of hell monsters. Yeah. He puts them so that they're almost whimsical and beautiful in their own- Right, because that's how he sees them. Yeah, he, that's his take really on, cool. on,
1: on monsters is, is, is the fantasy-esque style yeah. of them. Um, and I love his practical effects. He loves practical effects, like not using too much CGI. He does when he needs to. Yeah, of course. Um, but if he can use practical effects, he will. So like the, the character designs and stuff, like the product, the production designs and set designs. He
0: draws so much as well. Yeah,
1: he's hugely into like creating a world. And most of it's just he's just thought of it and it's in his head. Like he's just he's really imaginative and that's what he's really known for is how imaginative his films are,
0: and I love that about him. Yeah. Whether I whether or not I actually end up loving whatever film he creates, yeah, I love his love of it. It's like infectious. You can
1: you can feel the craft. You can yeah. feel the love of the actual art of filmmaking in his films. Whereas you know a lot of films these days and a lot of you know things that are made, it's just like it's made for a money. It's made for money. Yeah. It's manufactured. You can feel that. Not, not with his films. It feels lived in. Um, it feels that, special. Yeah, that's what I've definitely picked up on because I watched six of his films this week.
0: I have not, but I'd seen some previously, so I had a whole pass nearly.
1: It was it was a lot. It was a lot. And I will say I probably would have appreciated some of these more if I watched them standalone in a week that I wasn't doing like a particular topic. Um, but saying that, there was a few films that I'm like – I. I Came out of going. Oh well, they're going to be probably some of my favorite films.
0: Yeah. So I started this week watching Hellboy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just stop there. Well, we, we probably won't cover Blade Two because I have seen it, but I think I was about eighteen. Okay. And no, right. no, I can't remember too much about I don't it. I didn't I watch it this week, it. but we'll we'll move on. It's Blade Two. It's it's you know it's a it's a Marvel character that was done back in the. 2002s, early 2000s, before superhero movies were done. It's glory because that's what Blade is. The series, the Blade series was really well received. I can't remember too much about the second one off the top of my head, but it was like I remember loving the Blade series. That's all I can remember.
0: Okay. But well, yeah, anyway, back to yeah. Hellboy. Yeah. I watched it this week. I didn't realize it was originally written by someone else. Obviously, it's based on comics, so it's not, yeah. not his original like yeah, idea. But,
1: but he wrote it as well. He, so Mike he helped write it, yeah. Uh, Magnolia wrote the original comic and then
0: Peter Briggs
1: yeah
0: helped him write it write it into
1: like a screenplay yeah yeah
0: i didn't mind it yeah yeah even though it was 2004 and there was a lot of parts that were quite dated dated yeah um yeah it was fun
1: i i actually really enjoyed this hellboy i would probably watch this again i it was it was just a story that was it was pretty simple. It was basically telling the origins of um, Hellboy, basically, where he came from. There's an opening scene from 1944. He loves his war theme. He does. We're I have bring said that, up that as well. yeah. He loves his war theme. So it starts off in the, at the end of the Second World War. The Nazis are trying to basically use dark magic to kind of aid their campaign to win the war, or like have a last little Hail Mary, and they open up a portal to a different realm and the allies just turn up in time to close it, but Hellboy ends up coming through as a child, like a young child, through the portal. The allies win like win that battle. So they take ownership of Hellboy and then the, the doctor that's there raises him as his own. So the whole crux of Hellboy is he's a the son of Satan. Yeah. And he's basically it was meant to be sent to Earth to destroy Earth, but because he's been raised by this particular father figure, he actually learns what good and evil is, yeah, and teaches feels him to
0: a little X Men, and like yeah. they sort of live in their own little, like, yeah, they're sort of locked up, kind of, but then they're like released into the world to do some good. And then there's, yeah, they've they like got like a little back. secret, um, like team basically, yeah, a like special a sp- ops team spec ops
1: team of that, um, creatures, yeah, because there's a couple of other creatures there that get introduced and they're, they're sent out into the world to like save humanity, yeah. basically, and they, they work for good, so yeah. it's really good.
0: Um, yeah, look worth checking out if you want. I don't want to get into it too much. But.
1: There's what is it? Abe Sapien, who's the fish guy, probably. He's in it and he's played by Doug Jones. Now, Doug Jones is in a bunch of um Gerald de Toro's movies. Oh, he's the one who plays all the creature feature characters. So, right, he's the one who plays Abe Sapien, he's the one who plays the fawn and pale eye man oh, in cool. Pan's Labyrinth. He's all the always the one in the suit. Oh, so he's he's a he's a great like, actor, but he's he plays all the the monster yeah, yeah. characters. So he's in this as well. And what I I think he actually plays the fish character in The Shape of Water, which we'll get to later. But I th- I want to ask you this: after watching Hellboy one, yeah, and probably two because it's a, he's I in two as well. One. But I watched Ow. the second one. Sorry. Do you think that Del Toro took the character of Abe Sapien and kind of implemented his own story in what The Shape of Water was going to be? Very similar,
0: maybe, but I know he got his Shape of Water character from the Creature of the Black Lagoon,
1: right? Which okay. is kind of
0: what he did in that. So I think maybe he just probably took
1: elements of it. Took elements of it because yeah. he probably
0: always wanted to do something kind of like it. Yeah, I mean,
1: because what I-
0: filmmakers do it all the time. You see stuff where it's like there's little like hints of something mm. in all their films, and, and then finally they get, they really get the to really explore what they want to do. do. It? Yeah,
1: because. Yeah. I know you didn't see the Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, which we'll, no. I'll go into a little bit later. But uh, Abe Sapiens has kind of a B story in that where he kind of falls in love with like an elf princess. And oh. it's kind of like a love story yeah. in there. So I was like, mm, the elements of that's also in Shape of Water yeah. as well. So he's definitely taken stuff and kind of built his own story later on for that. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Hellboy, any other things you want to talk about? Like Selma Blair's great. Yeah. John Hurt.
0: Not really. It was good for what it was. It wasn't really special to me. But, um, yeah. I enjoyed it for fun. Yeah.
1: It was a fun movie. It was fun. Um, Ron Perlman, he plays a great Hellboy because there was a new series of Hellboys that came out like 2018 or
0: something. uh, With David Harbour. Wow. Yep. Kill me.
1: (laughs) And (laughs) I I don't know. For me, I think. Ron Perlman played it better. I am not saying anything wrong about David Harbour. I think he's actually a really good actor as well. But I think for Hellboy, for me, it was Ron Perlman who sold it for me. I liked him. It was as was good. That it character. was really good. Ron Perlman's in a bunch of um Guillermo del Toro's movies as well. Oh, so he was in. He's in Pacific Rim. Okay, he's like this gangster character, and he's also in Nightmare Alley as well. He's as one of the Carnies.
0: Oh, I'll have to keep yeah. an eye out next time I yeah. rewatch it. You'll,
1: you'll notice it next time you go to watch it. So.
0: I want to talk to you about Pan's Labyrinth, which I haven't seen in a long, long time, but you watched it this week.
1: Oh, I watched it the other night and this is a Spanish subtitled film. Yeah. And I was fine with that, no issue with that because I've watched Parasite and a bunch of other things as well. And I was like, yeah, I can still enjoy a movie if it's subtitled. That's yeah, no course. question. Um, oh my God, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah,
0: how gorgeous is it?
1: It's so stunning. It's um, it's a story about, about this girl, Ophelia. She lives with her tyrannical stepfather in a new home with her pregnant mother. Um, she's feeling alone until she explores a decaying labyrinth guarded by a mysterious fawn, Pan, who claims to know her destiny. If she wishes to return to her real father, Ophelia must complete three terrifying tasks. Now,
0: this feels very Greek mythology, actually. Yeah. Even though it is, he's, Del Toro is obviously Mexican. Yeah. Pan was a faun or mm-hmm. a satyr in myth. There's a lot of labyrinth It well, was one big labyrinth mm-hmm. in Greek mythology and also this idea of like knowing your destiny and stuff.
1: Yeah feels very Do you remember Greek much myth. about it because I've got a few questions for you because obviously I've got this fresh in my mind.
0: I remember bits and pieces you can ask me but I don't yeah okay Well, I don't know well how okay. Much I Probably
1: bigger overarching question I'm gonna ask is how much do you think was real versus how much do you think was based in Ophelia's fantasy mind?
0: Oh, I really probably need to watch it again because, to give you a yeah. solid answer. I think I've seen this at least over ten years ago.
1: Yeah, that's okay. Well, what I'll I'll kind of give some evidence as to why I think it might be one or the other.
0: What What do you think it is more in her ma- in her mind or, or? Well,
1: it can be both. I think I think in reality, it's actually it's in her mind. I
0: think probably, but yeah. I think
1: the fact that it presents itself in a way that the fantasy could also be real is is phenomenal because there's so many times where it, like it takes place it's it's two storylines she's obviously seeing this fantasy world when she goes to the labyrinth initially and she's got these things she has to do once she goes there yeah. and meets the fawn but there's also like it's a, a wartime movie where the stepfather's a captain of a, of a war of a like an army yeah and they're trying to stop the gorilla um uprising in the area and it's basically those two storylines at once like he's really he's not a good person. He's, no. he's He plays the villain very well. Yeah. But it's it's shown in a way that anything – any time that she does something fantasy-esque, you can kind of go, oh, well, it's just kind of in her mind. Like when she draws like the door on yep. her wall and then she goes in to see the pale man's room, like later on when her carer comes to find her when she's like running away. The, the drawing's still on the wall, but like was that just her imagination? Yeah, like, okay.
0: So it's like, yeah, it's her way of dealing, dealing with it. the reality. Yeah,
1: because it presents itself in a way where she – the first time you meet her, she's in the car with her mother driving to where they're going. They're going to live. Going to live. Um, and she's got a bunch of books. She's reading books. The mum's just like, oh, why are you always got your head in? We're about to go live in the country. Don't Why'd you bring all these books? So it's like, it's presenting in a way like she's constantly living in a different world.
0: I think that's how I remember yeah. sort of my take on it was, this is like a fairy tale. It's a fairy it's tale her- in her
1: mind. Yeah. Cause, um, but
0: that often happens. Yeah. I think know. Was pr- she's beauty- 10.
1: Beautifully presented. Yeah, she's 10 years old. She's- it's beautifully presented because it could be either either outcome, like either representation. It's, it's your interpretation. Yeah. If you want it to be the thing where her destiny is, she goes and lives in the underworld as this princess, because that's the outcome. She yeah. wants to be a princess and be a mortal and live with her father again. You can, because like the whole ending, I won't spoil it too much in this because there's a, probably a few people that haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth that listen to this. It can be both interpretations. It's just beautifully presented and it's quite dark at times too. Yeah, it's the, like the, a, the brutality of war meets this like fantasy mind of an innocent child.
0: It's almost like Presented at once. What Grimm's fairy tales were mm. originally. Like they're not really before a fairy they got, tale.
1: Before they got Disney. Disney, Disney yeah. Five, like yeah. just
0: real gruesome stuff going on. But
1: I I gave this a five out of five out of five. Yeah, I thought this gorgeous. was phenomenal the productions. Top notch.
0: This was the first Del Toro film I ever watched. Um, really? My friend was really into it because she was getting into horror and stuff. We we're teenagers, of course. Yeah. And then, yeah, I remembered her talking about it. So I went and watched it and I didn't realize it was going to be so um, mystical rather yeah. than like. Deep seated like gory slash a horror. Yeah. uh, So
1: I was. It was always presented to me as like a a horror fantasy horror. And I was like, there is no horror elements in this. It's dark. There's
0: horrific characters like the
1: you know pale man. The pale man. Yeah. Like there's there's moments where it's like eerie eerie creepy. Yeah. But in no way shape or form is this like a horror. No. No.
0: But I loved it.
1: Horror in the sense that a 10-year-old might be scared.
0: I think it's horror in like the original idea of horror rather than yeah, – yeah. yeah,
1: like horrific, yeah. not jump scares and yeah, stuff like that. I would thoroughly recommend anyone who's listening to this to have the time to go and buy this movie – it's not on any streaming service. I had to pick up the Blu-ray myself just to check this out. Do yourself a favor and watch this film, and really take in the messaging of what this film is trying to tell you, because it's worth it. It is. If you have any love of cinema, check this out. Yeah, hundred percent. It is. It was. This is definitely his best film. I'm
0: glad that I made you watch it.
1: Oh, I'm so happy too. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: All right, tell me about Pacific Rim.
1: We're going to talk about Hellboy two a little bit more.
0: Oh, do we? <laughs> a little bit. Is there bit. anything else? Okay. Not really.
1: Like it's the same type of movie as Hellboy one. If anything, the story is a little bit weaker because uh, he is coming off the back of Pan's Labyrinth. He's making this two years later. There is a little element of like –
0: very contractually obligated to do it. Probably. Like
1: everyone – it's the same people who return, yeah. same thing. The same story writer as well. So Mike Magnolia is back, back again to help him write it from the original Hellboy uh, comics. It was just not as strong as the first one. I had less fun with it. Mm. It was a little bit more of um, – drama between like Selma Blair's character and himself because she's like oh I'm pregnant oh, and there's a whole drama about right is the world am I not enough for you you've got to go constantly go save the world and then they kind of rekindle their relationship at the end and yeah the the B story which was the actual stopping this elf the evil elf to awaken the golden army that would take over the world and kill all the humans it just felt like it was basically the B story but it's like yeah just it wasn't bad wasn't nearly as good as the first one.
0: No, that's fair enough.
1: Yeah, so that was that was that take on Hellboy two, Pacific Rim
0: though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oof, oh boy. I um, heard um
0: I had a friend in school that was really really into it. I'd not Pacific watched it. Rim. Yeah.
1: Are you friends with them still?
0: No, but they have a lot of interests. So um, okay. some great, some like yeah, this it's was varied. Fun. I don't know. They probably had a crush on someone. And I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe um, this one I was. On- I was really disappointed that this is a Guillermo del Toro movie. It's um, it wasn't great. So I'll just briefly. This is going to take a while to kind of give this a synopsis. So bear with me. Uh, when legions of monstrous creatures known as kaiju started rising from the from the sea, a war began that would take millions of lives and consume humanity's resources for years to end. To combat the giant kaiju, a special type of weapon is devised: massive robots called Jaegers. Which are controlled simultaneously by two pilots whose minds are locked in a neutral bridge. But even the Jaegers are proving nearly defenseless in the face of relentless kaiju. On the verge of defeat, the forces defending mankind have no choice but to turn to two unlikely heroes a washed up former pilot and an untested trainee, who are teamed to drive a legendary but seemingly obsolete Jaeger from the past. Together, they must stand as mankind's last hope against the mounting apocalypse.
0: Yeah, that's why I never watched it. Mm.
1: There's a multitude of reasons why I didn't enjoy this. And it wasn't because it was a massive creature feature. Like, there's a lot. This just has none of, like, Del Toro's signature, you know, things that he's Not known, even a little bit. known to be really good at. It's a lot of CGI, like, basically all CGI, which he's he uses practical effects more than anything else. Everything else felt clean as well. It was a very clean-looking thing. Like, you could tell they were just in sets and everything behind them was just fake and they were just in a room. The acting was appalling. So Charlie Hunnam, who's the main actor, was just worse than phoning it in. Like, I could read... that. Me reading that was probably better than some of his lines.
0: Yeah, it's not a great yeah. film.
1: Idris Elba was probably the only kind of standout actor in this. Like, he plays, like, the, the leader of the the Jaegers. So he's like the captain of them who take, tells them all to go out and when to go out and stuff. And there's a there's a story involved with him and the young trainee who basically he's the father figure for her. I don't get why – so many questions. I don't get why there had to be t- – like from a writing perspective, like I, why, why are they two pilots trapped in a neutral bridge? I
0: don't know, dude. <laughs>
1: it's like – and you're watching this on screen and – to pilot these giant robots, they've both got to do the same action at once. Yeah, no, so I'm So it's aware like of that they're much. like walking, and yeah. they're like both walking at the same time, and they've got to be in sync. And I'm like, why on earth do what? Like, why would we make anything that would have to be piloted by two? They try to explain it super early, being like, whenever the pilot was hooked in, it it's was too, too, much too, much for, too much for one, too much for one, and someone had a nosebleed. So I was like, okay, cool, that was
0: Hello yeah. eleven. Yeah,
1: it, it's it was for me. Th- that for me is lazy writing because you've got a reason. But it doesn't make sense. Yep. You've written it in there, so it's like okay, but I don't believe it. Yep. So there was that.
0: I where, think where I think the, we where the kaiju on.
1: were coming from. <laughs> sure. Okay. It was another alien. It was a portal underneath the water, which is why it's called Pacific Rim, and right. they were sending them through because they were another species were developing these kaiju to send them up to basically eradicate the parasite, which was us, so then they could take over the Earth cool fantastic we anyway. need to
0: just change a podcast to be like shannon rants and it's just <laughs> you yelling about things um the old
1: man yells at cloud
0: i could go on too anyway. but i've not seen this film so this isn't my that was my take on, on
1: pacific rim it was filled with plot holes and mediocre acting with average to at best cgi don't see this film i'm gonna just imagine it wasn't a del Toro movie and we'll move on
0: okay so we're gonna talk now about the shape of water which was a 2017 film it was written by del Toro and Vanessa Taylor um and Guillermo del Toro directed it I watched this on a plane not the best time to watch no. it uh but that's where I watched it I need to re-watch it how did you feel about it
1: I liked it I wouldn't say I absolutely loved it it was a really well crafted movie um brilliantly acted um, I think was it Sally Sally Hawkins? Hawkins. Is fantastic. She's it? great in and this. And Octavia Spencer. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. And Michael Shannon, I think he's pretty yeah. pretty good in, in nearly everything he does. And Doug, don't forget Doug Jones.
0: Okay, Doug Jones. Sorry. <laughs>
1: he's the creature feature guy. Yeah. Um it's worth checking out. There's a reason why it did win um bet, was it Best Picture for that year?
0: I uh, I believe so. I think like it that. did. Yeah.
1: There's a reason why it did. It was it was an original story. It obviously has a lot of social commentary on what love means to someone and the acceptance of that from other people. Yeah. It was good. I'm not going to rave too long about this one. I think it's worth checking out to say you've seen A Shape of Water, but.
0: Yeah, I think it's good. Like genuinely think it's brilliant. I I don't think it's one that I personally connect to as much as some of his other ones no Um, but that being said definitely check it out if you like his work because i think you'd be able to find something in it or maybe you will really like it i think it's it's a good
1: it's a good bounce back from pacific rim absolutely get back into the his style of things the way he produces the way he designs i think it was a good step forward in that direction i'm so glad he didn't get told or have to direct pacific rim uprising i think he would like put money into it, but that's it. He's not involved. because so he no. went down. I'm glad he got back to his roots with this one. It it felt it's back to his you know the fantasy
0: esque stuff that style, he loves making. Loves yeah.
1: making. So it was good. It's worth checking out. It's yeah yet again Pans Labyrinth is still his best one, but it's this one isn't too far off.
0: No. I really love the next one. Yeah which too. I've only seen it the once and I have been meaning to rewatch it. Yeah. Nightmare Alley 2021. You watched it this week yeah?
1: Yes, I watched it this week. This is starring Bradley Cooper. Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, William Dafoe, Rooney Mara, and it is... And everyone else. Everyone, yeah. There's a bunch of other people that play secondary characters, but they're the main ones, really. And, oh, I thoroughly enjoyed this. So this is about a grifter working his way up from a low-ranking carnival worker to a lauded psychic medium. He matches wits with a psychologist bent on exposing him.
0: Yeah, I... Like, I mean, first of all, it's a carnival film, and I always thought that one day... Running off to join the circus would be a viable option. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's <laughs> right. Definitely not.
1: Did you know this is a remake?
0: I yeah I forgot about. Yeah. It, it's like
1: it a is. 1940s remake based on a book. Yeah. And apparently they're both pretty dark too. So this one's this one's got his you know natural fantasy setting but set in realism. So there's no like no magic or monsters, no. but it's it's like the monsters are the humans. Yep. Kind of take on I on things, think or it's like this
0: one is like a fantastic cautionary tale. Yeah. Hundred percent. I Love it so much.
1: And um, so Bradley Cooper's the main character. He He's not a good person to follow. No. He's not a good person at all. He's and not
0: like morally good. He's corrupt. No,
1: he's very advantageous. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that throughout the film. He picks up on things. He picks up on things that he can use from other people and he uses them and exploits them to his advantage. Which
0: is very typical for people in the carnival world yeah, back in the day. Carnies, yeah, yeah. You know what
1: they're like. It was... It was good. It's basically the only thing I could say about it. It was a bit long in the tooth. It's two mm-hmm. and a half hours long. It could have been tightened up a little bit, and it's kind of it's it's basically a movie in two parts. So there's a scene right at the start where you don't know what's going on, but Bradley Cooper is burying a body in the bottom of a house, and he burns the house. But then he goes straight to the like the carnival, and the first half of the movie is him. Starting to work for the carnival, yeah. and he meets all these people. meets all these people, learns from them, learns how to grift properly, learns how to you know the tricks of the trade. Basically, there, and he meets Rooney Mar- Mara's character and falls in love Which with her. I
0: love her as an actress. She's, she's almost—I she wouldn't so say good she's underrated, these. but she's such a quiet she needs to be in actress. Yeah, in like
1: subtle, so
0: subtle differences mm. in all of her characters. But yeah.
1: I think this was great Very to juxtapose good. her against Kate Blanchett. Yeah, Who, who is, is that really like fantastic, like confident female lead in this. And this is
0: the second time they've both been in a film together. What was the other one? They did Carol. I haven't seen that. Um, Watch it. It's a Uh, a film of my people. Let's keep going. Okay, well.
1: Yeah, so movie of two parts. So the first part is him learning and then it sets two years later because he goes and leaves with Rooney Mara's character and they kind of start their own kind of business using the tricks of the trade that he learns from the carnival. Mm -hmm. So he becomes a psychic medium for the rich and famous of the city they're in. They don't really say where. And he kind of gets too big for his boots kind of situation like – it, the first scene two years later is like him doing like an act with Rooney Murray. And then as they go off stage into the back room, he's like, What the hell was that? Like, you were late on one of those calls. So he's like treating her a bit like differently. So, like, yep. when they're falling in love, he's seeing it like as a business. He's taking advantage of people. Anyway, th- here comes Kate Blanchett's character. She is at one of the events and she tries to catch him out like how good he is at it in front of someone and – because she's there with a client because she's a psychiatrist, psychologist, psychologist, sorry. And he realizes that he can take advantage of these rich people to get money so he kind of like fakes the fact that he can talk to the dead. Yeah. And she ends up teaming up with him to be like, all right, so the next next person you're going to play is this person. And the next part of the whole film is him trying to play this really rich guy to talk to his – the dead wife, whose baby died as well. There's that whole scene at the end where Rooney Mara has to dress up as her. That's right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Chaos ensues. Anyway, the whole story comes full circle mm-hmm. from the, the, the very beginning. beginning. It re- comes all the way back to the end for his character, and that's, the, that's what I loved. Yeah. I had such a good I, payoff for We don't want to talk about it because no,
0: it's not worth watching the film if you... If you know, if the, you payoff. know the payoff. I'm not
1: going to say anything else, but like you yeah. feel so satisfied at the end mm-hmm. of this film and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, It's his usual film in the sense of like it's dark, it's it's grotesque, but it has beauty. Yeah. And the productions, the designs he of has like a the little, carnival and that is just so well done. He
0: has a little cyclops. Uh, well it's a, a big oh, yeah. baby, but it's a cyclops baby in a jar that yeah. features just like a, a it's weird in a couple little, of scenes, yeah. little thing. Anyway, um, Del Toro has that at home in, I don't know what room of his house, but yeah. Mm. definitely worth watching Nightmare Alley I was told to watch this by a guy at work Matt mm. who doesn't listen to this podcast but if you do Matt hey it's, it was
1: came out during the time of COVID so I think it, it was a COVID film to like Disney plus yeah and I slept on it because there was a few things happening like coming out of that time on, on streaming services so I just didn't watch it and then when you were like oh well you got to watch it f- while we're doing this week I was like yeah I'll chuck it on I'm so glad I did it's really uh, captivating it's really really good yeah
0: Okay, so the next one we're going to get into is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which we watched this week.
1: Yes, we both did.
0: I don't remember the Disney Pinocchio too much, um, so I did spend a lot of this film going, did that happen in the (laughs) one I watched as a kid? I don't think it happened in the one I watched as a kid, but yeah.
1: It was just a different take on the original fable, and look, I'm not a huge fan of Pinocchio the Walt Disney one anyway, like it's not my favourite no. story as like one of those children's stories. So I went in into it knowing that and I was like, look, I'm go- still going to be pretty open-minded about this take on on Pinocchio. Um, I've got a few things to say about it and you probably do too. But for me, the production, so this one is, it's stop motion.
0: And it's absolutely gorgeous. It's, I'll give it that.
1: Yeah, that's where I was going with that is is the, is the way it was made is simply stunning. It is a beautiful film to look at. The fact that you know that it's stop motion and you can you can only just tell that it's stop motion yeah. but from a little and that's bit of like what the, freaked some of the me like, out like at the like beginning. The, there's a little bit of like some of the clothes, a little bit of felt moves every now and then, but like the in terms of like the actual characters moving, yeah, it's you could so do. free flowing. It
0: freaked me a little bit yeah. at the beginning until I got into the rhythm of <laughs> it. Yeah, because I was like, like oh my god, this is stop motion in a but way. Yeah,
1: it's not at the same time. It's a free flowing movie. I was like, the way this was made was. Second to none, it's, it, it was gorgeous. Yeah, I gorgeous think if you're
0: out. into anima- – like, like if you love watching animated stuff and you want to check this out, it's worth it just for how it's crafted. Mm. The plot itself I wasn't a big fan of, but
1: – No, I I agree. I was like, I'm not really loving the storyline of this too much, but yet again, I already don't like the storyline to begin with. For me, the biggest deterrent for this movie was the casting of Pinocchio. The boy who voice acts Pinocchio. So annoying. It was the most irritating, shrill voice of a lifetime. It took me out of the movie and I just I honestly want to turn it off, which I didn't want to because it's beautiful because of how annoying his yeah, voice was. when he it first started
0: singing, I was like, irritating. oh my God. And I love musicals. So I was like, yeah. what am I doing? This is so confusing to me.
1: Just... Like I know, he's a young boy playing a young boy character with that like innocence in a world that he's only just been born into. I I think they could have picked someone yes. else better who just had that voice. You could kind of go, okay, that's fine. He's still young, but this was just
0: it was irritating. It was
1: shrill. I, yeah. I couldn't couldn't stand it. But everyone else in this was fine. I had no issue with that. Ewan McGregor plays Jiminy Cricket. That was cool. He was so good as Jiminy Cricket. He's like as like the moral compass for Pinocchio essentially.
0: Also, do you know who played Geppetto? Did you recognize Geppetto?
1: He is um, Filch's cat. Yeah. He's Filch.
0: Filch's cat. <laughs> he's no, not the cat. He's, he's, <laughs> he's not Mrs. Norris.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I did yeah. look I looked that up. I was like, oh, yes. No, I, And then when I looked oh. it up, I was like, the voices. So who played the monkey?
0: Wait, who was Candlewick in this film?
1: <laughs> it was um, Stranger Things.
0: Yeah, but which character was Candlewick again?
1: He's the boy that he becomes friends That's with. That's right, the camp. yeah, Finn Wolfhard. Because I'm, yeah.
0: I'm like, oh, Finn Wolfhard's in it. And I'm like, wait, yeah. which one was Candlewick? What's he was the boy Kendall that stand,
1: stands up to his dad. You, you call
0: know? your kid Candle. I know it's There's a fable, thing but...
1: There's that that he... There was that part in the know, camp about him being a Candlewick. And, yeah. yeah. And he finally stands up to his dad just before his dad gets blown up by the bombs.
0: Tilda Swinton was a wood sprite. Yeah, right.
1: And Kate Blanchett. And Kate
0: Blanchett was the monkey, and I didn't know that I'm really- Look,
1: She just squabbles the whole time. Yeah, I know. She's in it, though. But if I'd
0: known that it was Kate Blanchett the whole time, it would have been amusing to me. You would have
1: looked out for it a little bit more.
0: I sort of was just like, oh, it's just the monkey. But now I'm like, damn it, it was Kate Blanchett. I didn't the like
1: monkey. the monkey at first. Yeah, me but either. But then I like grew to love the monkey. With a weird eye, yeah. Because like, the monkey actually- Ended up caring about Pinocchio and actually stuck with <laughs> it. Yeah, like it's, it's that age old question of like what it is to be a real boy, like what it is to be in a world and be your own person. Because yeah. the whole thing's framed about Geppetto's son dying and then he builds Pinocchio too.
0: You were meant to be like my son.
1: Exactly. And then Geppetto in the end obviously goes, no. Treats him like he's his own person. Like you aren't like the Carlos. 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 He does, you aren't Carlos. You're you know your own person. Pinocchio. So yeah, and there's yeah. a whole story of him going along and proving that too. It's it's been done. Like it's fine. Yeah. Take away the fact that it's just so beautifully made, and you can appreciate the film.
0: Yeah. I also watched a little bit. I watched three episodes, which they're about an hour long, so it does add up. Um, mm. of Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosity. I really like. Uh, I watched three episodes. Yeah, the first two I really like. The third one, fine. I wasn't sold on it, but I do want to keep watching it. What I loved about this is it reminds me of a grown-up version of a show I watched as a kid. So on like the ABC, mm. we used to have Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids.
1: I feel like I've heard of it. Um, I which don't was think this UK it.
0: show, but it aired in Australia. Where there's like old guy and his little spider they'd like hobble out and they'd mm. pull out a coin in a stack or some crap like that and yeah. they'd put it into the machine or something and then like it would play the episode and it would always be all this like really like messed up stuff. Like I remember a plot line of one episode with like – it was like about the tooth fairy but mm. instead of it being like, oh, they take your good teeth, they'd be like, they take your rotten teeth oh. and then there's like rotten tooth fairy and they make like – you know, it was like yeah. weird stuff like that. Yeah. So this is kind of in that vein where it starts off with Del Toro and he's like introducing mm-hmm. – the story and he goes over to the cabinet and he'll like open a drawer yeah. and then there's a a, a thing from the, the episode. In there. And then yeah. he goes and tells you this tale and then you yeah, watch okay. the tale unfold. And so that kind of framing of stuff I really, really enjoy. Mm. Um, so he did the first episode and then someone else, have other people have done.
1: Other episodes. Other episodes. Yeah. I don't
0: know if Del Toro does more because I haven't looked into it. I would it.
1: say he bookends it probably. Yeah, yeah, that's what I
0: presume. But I would, I would recommend it as something that maybe you just watch like an episode of here or there.
1: Yeah, I've been meaning to check um, it out. How long are the apps?
0: I think they're about an hour. Yeah, okay. You could binge it if yeah. you are really into it. Yeah. Um, I've done three. Probably, I am curious to do, do another watch one. watch end, yeah. Yeah, because I love that kind of, and it's it's not horror quite.
1: It's the same as the other stuff he's done. He doesn't frame things in a way that it's horror, horror. It's horrific. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so it's grotesque.
0: I enjoy, I've been enjoying it.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Worth checking out. I'll, I think
0: so. And I like that he's sort of, it feels like something that Del Toro would do this kind yeah. of thing. So
1: I like his style in terms of yeah, his use of fantasy, his use of practical effects with fantasy, the dark storylines but have meaningful part like uh, parts to it. I love that. Yeah. So from watching a lot of his films this week, I can, can definitely get an appreciation of his style. Because even before that, I was like, oh, Del Toro, I've seen like one or two things. That's, yeah. I've like, seen Pacific Room. Yeah, no, don't see. This, that's the outlier, outlier of the entire thing. I think
0: that's when he got big in Hollywood when I hate this, actually. Yeah, I'm going to take it thing. back.
1: Yeah, because that was, that's just not him. No. It's not him. It's not his style at all. So it's the outlier. But I love, yeah, watching a few more this week. I can really appreciate his, his directing vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit more than I had before, which is really good. It, yeah, opening myself up to I'm enjoying things.
0: doing this kind of thing where we just like go and do deep dives. Yeah. Even though it is a little bit exhausting.
1: but It does at times, but we're not going to have every week like this where we have to watch like seven or eight things.
0: No, we're making it easy for ourselves next week. Next week. And we're talking about one of our favourite TV shows. Yes. Um, should we spoil it for them?
1: Uh, oh, well. well. Next week's going to be? It's
0: going to be... Parks and Recreation. Parks and Rec.
1: So, if you're a fan dun, dun, of Parks dun,
0: and dun, 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 <laughs> can, I'm going to get you to going, intro but it. But I won't. I, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> I will next week. Next week. You can do It's me doing intro. the entire intro.
1: Uh, we thoroughly, it's a beloved series from both of us. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to deep dive of Parks and Rec and say the parts we love and the characters we love and mm, why, God knows what else. All the quotes probably that you're probably going to get. But yeah, just, we, we love it. So, we're going to do
0: it. Been a long time since I've really watched it, so I think I'm gonna do a couple next week and mm, go for that. Go back into it. So good luck, everyone, <laughs> for next week. If you love Parks and Rec, this is the episode for you. Yeah. If not, keep listening. It'll be alright. We'll <laughs> tell you why you should watch it. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, that, that
0: basically sums up that's Del was, Toro. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I had a good week with it. I'm. Um, it's opened me up to some new things that I've I haven't experienced yet. So I'm glad I did it as well. And yeah, um,
0: it's made me want to go back and watch those few that I've kind of.
1: I still want to see Crimson once. Peak.
0: Me too, but I couldn't find it this week.
1: No, me neither. I'm going to find it and watch it as well. And as usual,
0: that's it. Thank that's you for it. listening. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram threads and TikTok at binge lists, or you can email us at binge lists and box office hits at gmail.com. Thank you everyone who has tuned in, uh, Shannon's friend Libby messaged us. I have not yes. messaged back because I didn't know if I should make Shannon actually message you back rather than me.
1: I want to say thank you for writing in for that. To but um, I'll get you. him
0: to actually oh, and chat to you.
1: Before we end this episode, I just do want to do a massive shout out to Dakota. Dakota, who's a long-time listener, he was the one who kind of suggested us doing... Oh, yeah. Uh, Dakota, thank Toro. you. So I want wanted a massive shout-out to him for suggesting it, and I'm so thankful that you did. So write in with any other suggestions, anyone, for what we should do for another week. Um, we've got some weeks coming up where we've got some free weeks to kind of fill up, so let us know.
0: Yeah, please do. We actually enjoy watching stuff that you guys recommend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, thank you for that, and we'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye.